Hey Trinity Life, Adam here. We are continuing on in our Nehemiah series and I am excited to move forward here in the scriptures. We are now in chapter six, just after moments of really intense betrayal. They've been threatened. The work has been frustrating and uh, their enemies have come out of the woodwork with fake news and misinformation and disinformation and all the whatevers. And, uh, and so it's been hard. It's been hard. And what we see here is that God's people continue to sow so that something can come about. And when we're friends together in that and we continue to sow seeds, something beautiful can emerge and something beautiful can sprout. Now, uh, Last summer, my wife and I, we turned people's backyards into little farm plots here in the city to grow vegetables. And, uh, and we learned so much about seeds. I was an ignorant city kid. We barely kept together even like a little herb uh, rack on the windowsill. Like we couldn't keep those seeds alive. We could barely sprout them. We could barely germinate them. And we learned so much. Um, first off, uh, sowing, it's an investment. And you don't see the return right away, right? So like, uh, it's an interesting activity to do with kids because, you know, you get them, they fill up a cup with dirt and then you open the seeds and they're like, wow, here we go, cool. And then they put their seeds in the dirt and then they put some water in there and then nothing, right? Because you have to wait because it doesn't produce right away. There's no immediate return on the investment. So when you sow seeds, you're inevitably making an investment into the future. You're bargaining with uh, what may become and hoping that you get a good return on your investment. Now, usually a little bit of water and a little tiny seed is not much to sacrifice. Um, What I've learned in my sowing adventure is it's always everything else around it. It's the emotion, it's the patience, it's the hoping, it's the, right? And when a seed doesn't germinate or when you don't get very much fruit and you're trying, and it's all the problem solving and course correcting, that's what inevitably takes um, from you in your investment. So some crops sprout, sprout really quick, right? So I noticed like radishes and lettuce and salad mixes, um, they all have a very short turnaround time, right? Like you could sow a whole field of uh, little red radishes um, and they'll, they'll turn around in three, four weeks and they'll be ready to go. I mean, that's probably why radishes are so cheap at the grocery store. Um, but things like onions, garlic, carrots, those things can take months and months. They take up more resource in your garden. You can't turn them over as quickly. Um, so as where we could turn over a head of lettuce for $5 in three, four weeks, we could uh, turn over you know, maybe three or four onions in the same amount of space, but it would take months and we'd probably get the same, same return uh, for that. We could charge probably the same, but for lettuce, we could do it three, four times. And so when you're sowing, you have to make decisions. What is the best investment I can make and what is the best return that I can get? And definitely doing this farm activity, what we realized was throughout the whole process, it was way better to do it with friends because when you're friends in sewing and making investment in the future it's way more fun 
and way more rewarding. <clears throat> so, what's incredible is, in this story, is what can be accomplished in such a short period of time. Let's see what it says here. So, the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. They finished the wall in 52 days. Came out of exile, moved all these people down. They're trying to find a new home. There's all sorts of frustration. You got to manage the kids, um, the resources. There's, there's, you know, the plan is being created as it's happening because it's happening so fast. People got to get on board with communicating and organizing and coordinating. And they managed to finish and complete the wall in 52 days. This had not happened for God's people in 141 years. And because God burdened the leader's heart, and because people submitted to the vision to obey the Lord and what he was trying to accomplish, they did what could not have been done in 141 years. They did it in 52 days. What work needs to be done in your neighborhood? What little investment can you make for massive impact? See, because now God's people can be safe and secure. The enemies can't get in. They can have policy and protocol around well, when people enter and leave. They can secure their economy. They can uh, make sure that uh, uh, they can secure their borders. And so um, here we go. This is, this is a, an amazing task, massive impact for only 52 days worth of investment. What work could be done in a short period of time that would have a lasting impact in your life, in your workplace, in your family, uh, in, your, um, in your neighborhood? What, that, what is that thing that we just, you're not seeing right now? So take some time, think about it. For God's people, it's building the wall. This sermon series, going through Nehemiah together, will last a total of 119 days. Now, at the time um, that you are viewing this today, there are 70 days remaining. 70 days remaining. What should the task be this summer, you might ask? I charge you, Trinity Life, make some amazing memories this summer. Make some amazing memories. Make the investment of blessing and memory. Because, guys, the only thing you take with you is people and memories. And so I would suggest that we invest in that. Invest in the people around you. Change someone's life. Who could you spend a little bit of time with and it might change everything? Invite someone into your home. Be with each other. Bring someone from the neighborhood into that. It may have a massive impact and require very little of you. It might be to bless someone else's kids, someone in the neighborhood who needs help. Guys, most people are overwhelmed. Most families are overburdened just trying to survive. If you bless someone's kids, that can have a massive impact, not only in the kid's life, well, most especially in the kid's life, but also in the parent's life. I spent uh, 
I spent a little bit of time in our playground during COVID and all the parents would sit around the outside on their phones and I would just show up and it didn't cost me much other than a little bit of energy, but I got a better sleep that night, let me tell you that. <laughs> I'd show up and I'd just play with the kids. Organize games of octopus and freeze tag and such a little investment. But now every time we come around the back alley and I breach the first hill up to the playground, if there's kids in there, they see me coming and they're like, oh, fun dad's here, the fun dad's here. Can we play games? Can we play games? It didn't cost me anything. In fact, I'm might have got just as much, if not more, out of it than they did. What can your group do in 70 days? 70 days till August 13th. What can you do? Something to pray about. For Nehemiah, up until this point, what has he sown? Here's a little list. He's sown prayer. He prayed for months, fasted for months. He sowed Boldness took some courage to ask the king and to rally the people. He sowed vision. Guys, the wall is torn down. The city is in ruins. Let's rebuild it. The king's going to fund it. If we get together, we could each lay claim to a section of the wall and a section of the neighborhoods and a section of the city. And we can see God's people restored. We can see the worship of God restored in this place. Who's in? He sowed vision. He sowed leadership, strategic planning to make it all happen and pull it together. He sowed in resources, his own personal finances, as we learned the past few weeks. He sowed perseverance. He had to push through the bickering and the enemies and the pushback and the frustration. He sowed blessing. He blessed instead of cursing. He was generous instead of being stingy. He sowed engagement. He got out there. He got in with the people. He investigated. He climbed through the rubble. He sowed hospitality. Come to my house. Everybody, I'm throwing the party every week for you on my dime. And he sowed trust. I trust you to do your job on this section of the wall. I trust you to lead in this capacity. We're all still getting to know each other. We're all starting to figure out what's going on here. I trust you to do the work. Trinity Life, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. It's been an amazing 10 years, and you have sown into my life. Big time. That affects my kids. That affects my family. That affects our future legacy. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for sowing in blessing. Thank you for sowing in opportunity. Thanks for letting me lead you. I'm just some random kid. Left home at 17. Didn't go to university. Did crazy stuff. And finally met Jesus while getting my degree later in life. Wandered into a church. Heard God's voice. God told me to go back and plant a church. I'd barely been a part of a church before. But you gave me the opportunity. You gave me the opportunity to lead. 
You gave me the opportunity to step into my calling. You gave me the opportunity to bring God's word, to, uh, to grow in my capacity to fail. And you gave me the benefit of the doubt when I did. And you sowed in honor. You sowed in encouragement. You sowed in to my future as a leader, as a continued follower of Jesus, no matter where we are or what we end up doing. And so you can hopefully continue to sow into my life and our life in whatever we do next. As we continue to do ministry, as we continue to look towards the future, to tell people about Jesus and to bring the kingdom dynamic into cities and towns and places, wherever we are. We didn't decide our future. You did. Your leaders decided our future. And we allowed, the Holy, we allowed room for the Holy Spirit to work in them to decide what our next steps were. And we submitted to you in that. We submitted to the process. And so please, help us through the transition. Sow in patience. Sow in blessing into our future so that we can continue to do kingdom work. That is my ask of you, Trinity Life Church. Because we'll need you at our back as we forge into the next thing. And so what's the results for Nehemiah? What are the results? Well, the wall is finished in 52 days. And when our enemies heard of it, let's continue to read. All the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was the son, son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Arah, and his son, Jehohanan, had taken the daughter of Meshalem, the son of Berechiah, as his wife. As they spoke of his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him, and Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. So here's what comes out of all of Nehemiah's sowing. First off, the wall is built. God's people are preserved and protected. Secondly, Nehemiah gains regional influence. All the nations, all the nations around us were afraid of them. They had regional influence. God's people, when they come together and when they combine resources and move forward in God's kingdom, they should develop regional influence as groups of people in neighborhoods around the city or around a place gather together and do kingdom work in unity together. They should garner regional influence. Out of his sowing comes restored dignity for God's people. We can do this. We have value. God loves us. God is blessing us. We are not worthless. We are not trash to be discarded. We are worthy of having a place and a home. God's glory is made known. Right? They perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. 
So this is people who worship other gods. This is people who um, are maybe even secular nuns. They don't worship any god. And they say, they're looking at this going, the only way those people could have done that is if their god was blessing them. This is potentially atheists, polytheists, Hindus, Muslims, uh, whatever. They say their God is certainly blessing them. So God's glory is made known. Something else comes out of their sowing. See, when you sow seeds and plants come up and fruit is being born, critters come, predators come. A big problem in the city that I heard from lots of our neighbors, we actually never had this at our garden, was um, everybody's tomato plants just got ravaged by raccoons and squirrels. Because <laughs> predators come to steal the fruit. Predators come because they're hungry and they want something that's yours. Predators come because you're vulnerable and exposed. So he garnered, or he, he sows, and what comes out of it? Retaliation. Coming against you. Actually, there's a, there's a great little um, documentary called The Biggest Little Farm. And it's uh, the story of um, this, this family moved from, I think it was L.A., out to the country. And they bought 250 acres. And it was a monocrop. Uh, I think it was lemon trees and avocados. Um, and so the soil was just devastated. It was rock hard. Um, because of the, there's no uh, good healthy soil biology from from good healthy biodiversity in the region, um, and so they had to basically re. The, the The vision for them was to do a more traditional farm, right, with, with a variety of plants, a variety of vegetables, variety of fruits, a variety of wildlife and livestock, um, and as they put in fruit trees and as they developed gardens and as they brought in pigs and horses and cows and ducks and um, introduced new things back into the ecology to produce healthy soil biology and to produce a healthy ecosystem, um, things would change one at a time. And the, the one that uh, stands out to me the most is, um, is all of a sudden uh, the region was, the ecosystem was out of balance, right? as they started to do this work and rejuvenate this area. And it just was, got infested with snails. Infested with snails. If you watch it, you see there's snails. Like literally, you cannot see the tree, just covering entire trees, whole fields of trees. And so they got out there and they were trying to scrape the snails off into buckets and they had buckets and buckets of snails and they just realized, this is impossible. There are tens of thousands of snails all over the place. What do we do? We can't waste our time doing this. And the snails could potentially destroy everything. Not that one snail is dangerous, but snails en masse totally send the ecosystem out of balance. What do we do? And the reason it stood out to me so much is because I had no idea, but ducks eat snails. So what they did was, instead of keeping their ducks penned up um, by the the, the pond, the aquifer that they had um, in case they're, uh, uh, they're, they're of drought or whatever. They brought all the ducks into the fruit tree fields, into the orchard, and they just let them go to town. And the ducks 
We're a natural predator of snails. And so as things change in a place and as uh, you introduce things, that as the enemy comes to strike, uh, often the rebalancing can be set right um, by just natural order, which is pretty cool. So you sow seeds, fruits come, predators come, and you need to be paying attention so that you can find solutions when that happens. But anyways, that was a little bit of a tangent. I kind of forgot what I was talking about. Um, all right, so uh, here we go. What else do we got? So the enemy gets scared. God's glory is made known. Retaliation comes from the enemies, both within and without. Tobiah, he's the one that's half in and half out, right? He is. Uh, he married. Um, was it he? He married in. I think he married in, and so he's got this half allegiance. So he's got his way into God's people, but he still stands on the outside and he frustrates everything they're trying to do. Um, now, what also do we get? What also do we get? Now, uh, when the wall had been built and I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites had been appointed, I gave... There, let's stop right there. And Levites had been appointed. Okay, so what else do you get? You get leadership structures. You sew in process and, and hard work and, you know, you get something certain to come out of it. What can come out of it is uh, leadership structures to put in place, to delegate authority, once, and so this is after a period of time where work has been done, people have been faithful, people have been giving. Um, Nehemiah can then look out and see who is most faithful, who has honor, who has integrity, who has good character. Let's elevate them. Let's delegate and elevate them. Let's give them authority so that they can um, accomplish the work, right? And you want to delegate to people with good character and who are willing to take responsibility. So you delegate and you elevate them. <clears throat> My brother Hananiah and Hananiah, the governor of the castle charge over Jerusalem, for he was a more faithful and God-fearing man than many. Um, this isn't directly related to the verse I just read, but I got this note here that I want to make sure that I tell you about. And this is, um, so the whole neighborhood is changing. The whole city is changing. What is important for godly leaders, so for your R3 leaders, and for you someday if you decide to make disciples um, and you decide to engage on God's mission, not just as a participant in a church community, but as a follower of Jesus together on the great co-mission with God, if you decide to say yes to that, you will, um, or we will, Churches and church leaders will not be judged on how the church is per se. I want to posit to you that God is going to look at you and say, Hey, how's your neighborhood? Hey, how's your city? More than just, how's your church doing? How's your Sunday service doing? Don't ask, how is your church? Ask, how is your city? Because you are God's people in a place, not just building a brand or building a structure, or building an organization. You are God's people, ministers of reconciliation in a geographical place. So for me and my family at the moment, it's Mount Dennis. 
Mount Dennis. So I should ask more than, how's my R3 doing? I should ask, how's Mount Dennis? How's Somerville Avenue? What are the issues there? What's preventing these people from living the abundant life? From living and seeing and trusting God? How's my city? How's my street? How's my neighborhood? How's my apartment building? Because that will change, that little perspective shift will change how you live out your faith. If you collectively gather, if you become friends in sowing and engage in kingdom work, the world will see that God is with you, right? We know that by this passage. If you collectively gather and navel gaze on Sunday service, the world doesn't care when you disappear. So if Trinity Life were to fold, will your neighborhood notice? If you moved away, would your neighborhood notice? See, the enemies of God have fear because the promise of God to Abraham and his family and that his family would be a blessing to the nations is being realized. The, the people who'd been taken captive off as, as slaves or just foreigners in a foreign land subjugated to, to a tyrannical overlord to participate in their economy and, uh, and to be unable to, to f- fix and correct the shame brought on God's people, um, they're starting to live into their destiny. And the nations fear the strength of God's people. The nations do not want you, and your neighborhood will not want you. You will experience pushback. The neighborhood will not want you to effectively integrate into loving community. See, uh, two things can happen here. And this kind of defines the battle between the right and the left at the moment. See, the nations will want to, and I say the nations because it's the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly Uh, in their own esteem and so on, right? So the nations will want you to do one of two things. Will either want to distill you down to an atomized individual focused on how unique you are uh, and your own merit and what you're able to take. So pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get it done, man up, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, They want to atomize you so far down to the point of an individual where you don't need anybody else's help. You You don't rely on anybody. You're not a part of community. You don't worship God together. You don't babysit each other's kids. You you hire everything out. Everybody all the time is a hireling looking to leverage the maximum amount of economic potential. Um, Right. And, and, end up creating competition and infighting amongst everybody all the time. You always have to one-up. You always have to produce. You always have to, right, up the rents. You always have to up the cost because you're more worth it and you're a 10 out of 10 and you're, right, they'll atomize you down to your own individual preferences, right? Or I, I'm whoever I want to be. I'm self-defining. I can be whoever I want based on how I feel, right? It's like atomize you down to the individual, Or they want you so attached to some other group identity other than being in the family of God that you fight and kick and scream um, for something that people don't understand and they're not really talking to you. They're talking to an ideologically charged version of you that's so attached to something that 
that is that is hard to define and hard to understand and problems that are that are hard to tackle and challenge and there are no real solutions and there are the the problem is really hard to define we so attached to some kind of group identity and there there you see some of the challenges in uh in the left and the right that is that is the fear of the nations and it's opposed to being unique individuals combining together as one people, one family of God to accomplish the work of God to be a blessing to all the nations. That's the promise of Abraham. And that's what the enemy is terrified of. They want you so distracted from, every, from doing anything else other than that. That's why the enemy is terrified. Because unity amongst God's people is how God judges the nations. Disunity amongst God's people is how God brings judgment to his own people. In John chapter 17, later on, Jesus ends up coming uh, and he prays a prayer that God's people would be one. We would be one like he and the Father are one. This is how God's eternal purpose. He's always wanted that. We know this in Ephesians 3. We know this is the whole reason we named our church Trinity Life Church, right? That God wanted Gentile inclusion, which ultimately means that God from the beginning of time always has been looking into the future and his creation and seeing only Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and church in perfect harmony, community, love, worship, communication, affection, adoration, all those things. You see, Trinity Life, it's not the name of an organization. It's God's divine, eternal purpose for you and for me. And so if you don't trust in Jesus, you don't have access to that life, the perfect, harmonious life of God. So join us. Trust Jesus, follow Jesus, and join together as a church in the city to sow seeds of the kingdom wherever you are, to see the light of Jesus germinate those seeds and, and, and produce fruit in those plants in every domain of society. So we sow seeds in the governance domain, in the agriculture domain, in the communication domain, the science and technology domain, the education domain, the social work domain, the health domain, and the economics domain. We sow seeds of the abundant life and the kingdom of God and the good news of Jesus in all of these domains to see the kingdom come and his will be done. See, if we can do that, then we as a kingdom people will see a healthy city. And when God looks at his church, when he looks at his creation, he'll see a city influenced by the people of God and say, there's a healthy city. Well done, good and faithful servants. See, Nehemiah prepared the people and the city for the coming of Jesus the ultimate promise of Abraham is that the seed would come. The seed is Jesus Christ. The blessing to the nations is Jesus Christ. The blessing is a person. And we want you to know that person. We want you to be reconciled to that person. And we want you then to join the work in sowing seeds into individuals so that they can experience the abundant life and freedom in Christ. 
freedom from addiction, freedom from their mental health issues to be to think and clearly and for their body to be working properly. Family, sow seeds into families, sow Jesus into families so that our children can have hope stability, and we can establish a lasting gospel legacy. Sow seeds of Jesus into your friendships so that our communities can have harmony and peace and there can be the abundant life, free of bitterness, free of bickering and infighting. Sow seeds of Jesus into your workplace so that the the economics of this whole project that we're on as humanity don't become corrupt and take advantage of people. So that the things that we create, make, build, and participate in have eternal value and bring life and thriving to people. Not just exploitation and uh, uh, lust and greed and gluttony to people. And sow seeds of Jesus into your neighborhood so that ultimately when pockets of neighborhoods come together under the rule and reign of Christ, there can be harmony in a city, much like the people of God here, hoping, they're hoping, they're groaning to experience that type of unity. Well, guys, that is the word of God to us today. I love you, Trinity Life Church. Talk with your R3 and see what's God speaking, how can you participate, and how can you become friends in sowing today. Love you guys. Bless you. Enjoy.